welcome to this week's episode of The Buzz. Megan Meller and Scott Tady here, ready to talk some entertainment, but first we need to address the penguin in the room. Ah, uh, You yeah, like that? Nice, very good. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bleary-eyed and tired. I stayed up till 12.30 a.m. watching everyone lift the Stanley Cup, and it uh, was just so fun. Uh, a lot of the players bring their, their kids on the ice and, and families, and all the photo ops, and oh, it's just, it's just so great when the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. The whole city just lifts. And you want to know what's even more amazing? I stayed up till 12.30 and watched the coverage as well. Didn't watch any of the game, but I saw all of them, you know, hoisting it and them asking, you know, some questions and all different kind of things. And then, I'll, of course, saw all of the pans to the south side. And See, I, didn't, I didn't care what Channel 11 was doing and their, uh, the interviews they do with, with people screaming and drunk and whatever. I, I was just more happy about the players and, and what they did for the city. And it, I, I thought MSC Sports did pretty well there. They, they've been open for criticism in some of their coverage, but the, the finals they did a very good job on. Yeah, because, I mean, really, what are the fans going to say? No, I wanted them to lose. <laughs> like they're It's a lot of, woo! <laughs> yeah, a lot of high-pitched woos and staggering. So, <laughs> but no, glad that they're bringing the cup back yes. to Pittsburgh. So uh, I'm sure there's a parade being planned as we speak. Can't wait. We'll have to, so, we'll have to cover that. Yes, that'll be fun. I've never been to a Penguin Stanley Cup parade before. It's been a while. So, yeah, it's been what? How many years? Uh, since 2009. Okay. So, yes, yes. so yeah. So hopefully we'll know more about the parade information later on in this week. But so we're in a good mood right now. Yeah, we're tired Both but ends. in a good mood. <laughs> so uh, we saw some high heels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to go from skates to you know high heels. But um, the Frick has a new killer heels exhibit dedicated to the high heel shoe. A lot of fun. I, I was amazed. First of all, I have a whole new sympathy for you women. Some of the things you got to wear. Right? I, some of those, like, I couldn't even imagine, like, how you would even put your foot in them and then move. But And these were by major designers, uh, Alexander McQueen, uh, Prada, Manolo Blahnik. So they, they were high-end, the ones, Louboutin. like you said, you'll never get that close to... Uh, that's yeah, a blonic shoe like that. I mean, about probably thousands of dollars. That's yeah. I took a photo of this beautiful, uh, like blinged out Manolo, and I'm like, this is as close as I'm ever gonna get. <laughs> I'm gonna make it count. But yeah, there were what like 150 almost. Uh, they counted 147, and one was like a 17th century almost slipper. Then they had like a, a Cinderella kind of glass one. Just just the the variety, and, and some of them were like historic, like ones that Lady Gaga wore to a to a, a when she unveiled her perfume and. And some were just uh, like architectural. You know, it wasn't just about fashion. It was how did they do that cantilevered approach? How could you walk in that? It was it was cool. I learned a lot. Yeah, and I never really thought of shoes as art before, but seeing it, how everything was laid out, and um, during the uh, press tour that we took on Friday, um, I thought it was interesting how they had you know noted how they placed them that they couldn't be too high because then you couldn't really like appreciate the beauty but then if they were too low you were like looking over them so that it's just something you never really think of until you're actually like putting something together like that but they really were works of art it was like going to an art museum and seeing fancy sculptures on display except yeah. it, was, it was high heels it was beautiful <laughs> high heels i think they're more relatable so <laughs> so yeah that's here through uh, september september 4th and, and as you know the frick is just such a neat place uh, you know in a very cool section of Pittsburgh in, in East End and beautiful park right there and uh, I, and they have more activities coming up they have a, a concert series starting on Fridays yeah right? they're going to do the Friday nights at the Frick so that seems pretty cool that they're going to have that stuff set up you know throughout the summer uh, great Pittsburgh band meeting of important people is, is the opener for that so uh, if you've never been to the Frick you really owe it to yourself to do that and, and Killer Heels is, is a great reason to do That's it I'm saying, this is the reason to go if you've never been before I, and I feel like anybody can appreciate it I don't think it's just you know women going and looking at shoes like you 
yeah, appreciated the I, art. And I, I you, did. I mean, it was an interesting, and there were just so many, like, set up. And it was bigger than I was expecting as well. So that was definitely cool. But very walkable and, and very uh, walkable. And, <laughs> uh, you know, you don't, you don't need a lot of history behind you when, you when you're going into it. You can just figure it out for yourself and read some of the cards and just get swept up in the way that. It was, it was cool. We, we interviewed the curator and he said, yeah, this is kind of pushing the envelope a little bit for us. It's a little bit, yeah, maybe I don't want to use the word like stuffy, but it's it's beyond what you would normally think at, a, at an art museum. And I think that's great because that'll get a whole other, you know, set of people in that might not have been to the Frick but want to see the high heels. Yeah, definitely so. recommend I shot a video. It's online too if you want to get a little feel for it. Yeah, and the story also is online. It ran in our Sunday paper, so that's all up at timesonline.com slash entertainment. I'm going to wear more sensible footwear this week when I get, make it to the Macklemore show. Yeah, that's probably for the best. Yeah, sold out show. That show sold out right away. And, uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, I think they could have had it at a bigger venue. Uh, you know, it's the first time Macklemore has played Pittsburgh since Thrift uh, Shop came out. So oh, it, wow. it, him and Ryan Lewis did State College a few years ago. So a lot of interest in this and in, in seeing this rapper, Grammy-winning rapper. So uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. It's Tuesday. Oh, cool. That'll Stage be... Stage Yeah, and then... Is that indoor or outdoor? Uh, it's indoor. Is that right? You know what? I think you're right, because that... Because I remember we've written about that. So we're like, we were why didn't they move to outdoor if... Yeah, that's probably why it's sold out. Oh, they still have time. <laughs> yeah, let's move that. Let's check the weather forecast and see if we can get that in motion. Right, right. So, and then you have another show. I believe it was of 2015 or 14. Your favorite of the year. Oh, my favorite show last year, hands down, was the Mavericks country band with a little bit of a Tex-Mex Cuban kind of feel. They're coming back to do two shows, coming back to Munn Hall Friday and Saturday. I, I, I can't recommend enough. If you've never seen the Mavericks live, uh, it's it's a bit of a throwback vintage country, but it, like I said, it's got the, the south of the border kind of seasoning, and the singer Raul Malo just has an exquisite voice, one of the absolute best voices. It's just so clean and pure, and there's a romanticism to the band, uh, but there's some toe-tapping songs, and go see the Mavericks. So, yeah, that sounds like a good, maybe they'll make your list for 2016. That's the thing. Did you ever do that? Did you ever see a band or an act that was so perfect one night, and you're wondering, well, are they going to top that? And... and Part of me is like, well, maybe I don't go because there's no way. But then part of me is like, well... You have to see what they're going to do, right. like see if they can live up to that. And even if it's only 85% as good as last year, that's still going to be better than most shows I see this year. So that's, that's how fabulous they are. Yeah, and uh, we'll be right back to talk one show that might make your top 10 for 2016. Ooh. Get ready, get set, get out this weekend. Watch every Thursday as I, Scott Tatey, give you the scoop on local entertainment and help you plan how to get out this weekend. Sponsored by Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center, a new episode premieres every Thursday at timesonline.com slash entertainment, or watch on our Beaver County Times Roku channel. Don't miss it. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Buzz. Scott Tady, Megan Miller here, filling you in on the entertainment news in the Pittsburgh area, Beaver County area, and let's talk about what we just did this past weekend, Pittsburgh Pride. Pride in the Street, your first time there, what did you think? My first Pride, um, it was such a great event. I didn't know exactly what all to expect, what to see. Uh, Kesha, of course, headlined the Pride in the Street on Liberty. Um, yeah, it was a really, it was a cool event. It was cool to see, like, everybody come together and, you know, come for one, you know, purpose, and that's equality, and, you know, every, I mean, everybody was just in a good, good mood. It was a good atmosphere. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, I'd compare maybe to the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Pittsburgh where you're actually on a street in Pittsburgh with a drink in your hand and everyone's just in a, in a festive, happy mood. And uh, it's a chance to check out some of the beautiful architecture in Pittsburgh while, while you're waiting for the, the bands to go on. Uh, great food booths. They, they had uh, some, some cocktail booths. Uh, 
it was just fun people watching, and, and, and yeah, Kesha came on about an hour late, but uh, I, I don't think anybody minded when she, when she hit the stage. No, it was just another hour to, you know, get into spot, get into your spot and everything. And one of the things that, because I don't know about you, but every time I'm driving down Liberty Avenue, usually if I'm down that far, it's because I'm lost. <laughs> so I never pay attention to, like, what some of the businesses are. So I actually got to, like, take it, and I'm like, oh, there's a pizza shop. There's a, yes. that's where the August Wilson Center <laughs> is, like, that kind of thing. So it was kind of cool to, like, take in the surroundings while you're on foot and not in a rush trying to like find parking. Yeah, and suddenly you're, you're in two lanes of four into one and you're trying not to hit someone. Where it's a tough I? street to drive, so it is nice to be able to just, it's closed down and, and like you said, check out the scenery. And uh, Kesha, uh, I'm not the hugest fan of hers, but I, I thought she was entertaining. Some of her songs are really fun, like, like Gold Trans Am and of course TikTok. And uh, I, after a while, I, I get enough for like an hour. It's plenty that, of her. Yeah, too. that was enough. Like, and I had because you had seen her a few years ago open for Pitbull, and I'm like, well, is this like the essence of Kesha, or is she like more like letting loose because of where she is? <laughs> and you're like, no, nope, that's kind of what she does. And it was cool to see, but I feel like any more yeah. of that would have been a little like, okay, I think I'm, I'm, I'm good. I got <laughs> to see the essence of Kesha. She was good. I mean, I think she was a f- perfect choice for that um, to headline, but. Yeah, but when I saw her with Pitbull, there, there was like a nine-year-old kid in front of me, and I kept wanting to cover his ears and eyes at some of the things that she does. But I'm like, it's definitely <laughs> not for Kit. Like that, and you would think, like, oh, kind of like the you know Britney and you know Christina Aguilera, like, oh, it's all glitter and it's all great. But there, there was a lot of language, and it might have been because it was an adult-only show. But there was a lot of glitter. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of glitter. I'm still, you know, getting it out of my hair and off my face. But so yeah, yeah. If you get a chance to do Pride next year, I, I can't wait to see who they bring back. And then, of course, we have to address the, the heavy thing that happened. We're all partying in the streets, having a great time. No one knew to the, the headline news we would wake up to the next morning about the Orlando tragedy and, and that, that mass shooting and, and one of the you know the, the biggest shooting in the U.S. Uh, you know, I, what do you think? On one hand, to me, that, that kind of shows pride. I think shows how far we've come as far as equality and, and acceptance, but. When the event in Orlando happens, it kind of makes you realize there's still a long ways to go. I think it shows you, yes, we you know have come a long way, but we have a lot longer to go for if something like that is still happening. And I thought for Pittsburgh Pride, I felt very safe there. There, there was a definitely a noticeable police presence. Even when you, you walked in, there was, there was just police everywhere. But it didn't feel heavy. I, I thought completely safe when I was there. I even saw some, some policemen dancing or, or kind of you know having fun Moving with some. Moving around, yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought Pittsburgh security did a very well, jo- very good job, and uh, it, it, I'm still getting over the tragedy in Orlando. I, I haven't really been able to process it. Yeah, I think th- it was very well staffed because that was one of the first things I noticed. And I, and I even, I think I said to you, like, is this normal, like, protocol? But there were a lot of, actually a lot of um, workers that we recognized from other venues, like, uh, uh, first Niagara Pavilion and Heinz Field and stuff and there was a lot of police but never once did I think like oh why are there police here like should I be worried like it yeah. was very I felt very safe it was very it was very festive it was very it was a great atmosphere to be in and then like you said when we woke up and found the news that just awful and there was another serious moment at the very beginning Kesha uh, addressed and dedicated her performance to uh, the family of uh, Christina Grimmie uh, the, the singer from The Voice pop star who, who was shot and killed uh, 24 hours earlier and, and mm-hmm. So that I thought it was, it was important that she did recognize that. And that's another one I'm, I'm still trying to come to terms with. I saw Christina just two months ago at Mr. Small's Theater. She opened for Rachel Platten. I knew next to nothing about her that night. And, but I, I remember tweeting and gushing about, wow, this, this girl's voice is amazing. And it, it was just a, such a powerful, clear, pretty voice and uh, just another senseless tragedy. And, and you hate that. You know, to have to even think about that, fathom that. But, uh, wow, it's, it's a shame. She had so much to offer. Yeah, and I think Kesha handled that, you know, pretty well as too. Because she, I mean, 
of everything, like she said a lot of things, like being there was like Christmas, and I mean, she did address that, and I think it was good that she addressed that, and I mean, she kind of kept her personal um, battles and everything out of it, because I was curious how that was going to go, but, you know, she was saying how, you know, equality is a basic human right, and that is, you know, should be afforded to everyone, and like that sort of thing, so. Now, she may have to get married, right? She said something about Yeah, she had said, you know, I never had in my head, like, I'm not going to get married until we're all able to get married, and she's like, you know, now, you know, if anybody's looking, (laughs) so, you know, so it was a good, she, she kept the heavy in the light moments. I thought she did a really good job kind yeah. of meshing them together where, because you, you are there to have fun and have a party and everything, but she didn't overlook anything either, which was good. And she didn't make it about uh, all about herself and, and use that as a political platform for the battle she's having with her. No, so that wasn't <clears throat> even mentioned. I thought, Like I said, I thought she uh, tried that line. That, that was a hard line that to walk, and I think she did it very well. She had one line about, do you believe there, someone's trying to take this away from me? I love, I live for music, and that was kind of the way she handled it. And that, that was I thought cool. it was a good, yeah. it was a classy way to handle all of that without, you know, using that as like a platform to do that, so. I had a busy weekend. The night before that, I was at the Dixie Chicks on the first Niagara Pavilion, and yes. I, I gotta be honest, I'd forgotten just how talented they were. I, I, I've seen, this is the fourth time I've seen them, and it's been 10 years, and, uh, that's a show I think is going to make my top ten. I, I'd be shocked if it didn't, really. Uh, it was just very entertaining. Now that I made you go on record and <laughs> yeah. say that. Well, there was just no rust whatsoever. They just picked up right where they left off, and, and you, it's one of those groups you forget how many hits they have. It's, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, they, they did a cover of Prince's Nothing Compares to You, and I, I've seen mixed reviews. Some people thought it was great. Some people thought, eh. I, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, you know, it was kind of like the Sinead O'Connor version, which, uh, you know, the Prince version, the original was <laughs> always the best. But I, I thought it was pretty good. But, um just a fun show and again there's a whole political thing about the Dixie Chicks and they didn't get into that too much they they let their music do the talking and uh, the crowd was about I want to say 11, 12,000 nowhere near a sellout which uh, is surprising but then again they've kind of parted ways with country radio and they're not getting that support anymore and they're fine with that Dixie Chicks are just doing their thing and and they are country music the banjo the the fiddle and you know it's a shame the radio can't patch things up because of a remark made 12 years ago well, I mean, if they got 11, 12,000 people in there, clearly they don't need the radio that much. Right. I mean, people were... Now, what was the demographic like for that? Uh, there was no line in the men's room. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It was definitely female. Uh, I saw a lot of mother-daughter kind of things. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. I figured there'd be a lot of, like, groups of, you know, women, like, tailgating together. So yeah, it's probably I, a docile crowd. Uh, it got a little sloppy near the end. Really? Yeah, there was a pretty big fight. I never saw so many police and security at Starlake running to break up a fight. A fight at the Dixie Chicks? And everyone's kind of, well, what's going on? And I'm expecting to see two big, heavy guys getting pulled out. And uh, maybe I'm mistaken, but I saw them carting out two women probably smaller than you. Just these little tiny, wow. petite... Uh, it was really they, they apparently they're the ones you have to worry about. Yeah, it couldn't like, have been. I mean, they were like, <laughs> what's going on? Five foot one, uh, so maybe they were just part. Of, I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, near the end, it seems like a lot of people from the lawn were trying to move down and get closer. They, they were so excited, caught up in it, they wanted to get their their, their selfie, their photo. But I, I think security started to get overwhelmed. There were so many people coming down, which which you expect out of you know Luke Bryan show, yeah. not a Dixie chick. But um, ah, first show, the first. Big outdoors. Well, Dirk Bentley was there too. What, what did you, what Zach was, Brown. What was it? Yeah. What was it like for those two shows? Were you, were you seeing a lot of um, like sloppiness? Yeah. Or, no, a little more for Dirk Bentley. I feel like the weather had, thankfully, had something to do with it because they were both kind of like cold and dreary days. And one was a Friday night in May, Dirk Bentley. So I think people were still like coming from work. And Saturday, or um, I think May twenty first was. Um, 
Zach Brown band, and it was cold. Like I had on boots and not and not for show, but actually because I was freezing. So I think that kind of helped keep the partiers at bay a little bit. I don't know how anyone can afford to get drunk at a first Niagara show. The, the, the smallest beer now is twelve dollars. Oh so wow! I, I think you're going to see more people tailgating this year and, and skipping the opening act for those who feel like they need to, you know, get their party totally on. Uh, but don't get me wrong; I, I mean, it didn't detract from the show. It, it was a fun show I, until maybe a half hour before it was over. I, I would have tweeted something. I would have talked about how wonderful the crowd was. It just all of a sudden this weird wave of. It just turned like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely one of the top ten shows of the year. Uh, well, as of this point. Yeah, well. There's a lot I mean, more year only, to go. Yeah, why, why are you trying to pressure me? I was going to say, it's only June 13th. <laughs> you still have, you know, six months to go. I'm just saying. <laughs> it might be one of the top ten. Or an honorable mention. There's still me. plenty. I mean, Justin Bieber still has his time to shine. That is so. true. That is, and Culture month, Club's the same night. What a month from today, two. I believe, right? Oh, yeah. July 13th. Yeah. So. Beebs. Well, well, plenty to talk about. So him. watch out, yeah. <laughs> I also want to mention the opening act for Dixie Chicks was a Pittsburgh. And I know oh. you've seen him before, Josh Herbert. Saw him at the Pittsburgh Winery. Oh, yeah, for the Ship District Music Festival. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he did very well. I mean, he, he's straight up pop. He, he's a pop rock kind of guy and uh, has a great look about him and a great sound. And uh, I think he'll go places. I, he, he seemed to connect more with the Dixie Chicks crowd than the, the opening act that came on after the Heavy. They were, they were more a hard rocking kind of uh, indie band and uh, they weren't really knocking people out. But, uh, I think the, the female crowd like Josh. Oh, cool. Well, that's good. Um, that's, I mean, a pretty good gig. Yeah. The opening for the Dixie Chicks, yeah. so good for him. Not bad, yeah. But now we had a different um, crowd a couple nights earlier. Got to check out Arts Fest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At, you know, the Point State Park and all of the booths and all of that. Charles Bradley was there on, on a Wednesday night, and uh, such a neat story about him. This is a guy who released his debut album at age 62, uh, five years ago. He, he'd been a James Brown impersonator, and, and when you saw him perform, you, you could I, see why he was a James Brown impersonator. He had the voice, the look, some of the moves, and uh, it just needed such a late bloomer, but what a powerful voice. That's a voice that, that can crush rocks. I mean, it's just like a big, heavy, strong, fills-your-ear kind of voice. Because, like, I heard him before I saw him, because I was, you know, walking back over from the artist market, and I heard it and I'm like oh who is that and because it's one of like the Arts Fest is almost like the headliners are not secondary but like you pick your day to go and then that happens to be who the concert is and it, he was really good and I liked his stage outfit he had a couple <laughs> bedazzled jackets did you hear what he said he's like look I'm not trying to pretend like I'm, I'm fancier than you I look better than you whatever I'm just doing what makes me feel good and I hope you have fun with it and I thought that was a neat thing to say yeah that was a good hey there's nothing wrong with caring about your appearance while you're <laughs> you know headlining Lining a stage for thousands of people. And he, had a, he had some good young musicians with him. Uh, they were called the Extraordinaires. And uh, it, it was soul. It had some funkiness to it, some, some R&B. But, uh, oh, wow, it was really moving. And then the opening act, Peter Wolf, I am a huge fan of from his Jay Giles band days. He did a bunch of the old uh, Jay Giles stuff. And uh, he's another guy, just timeless. He, he's just such a, a consummate entertainer. And, and any chance you get to see Peter Wolf or Jay Giles band, you've got to take it. Yeah, and the night before that, there was another person that you always have to see if they come <laughs> here, or at least in my opinion, you Let do. Let me guess, the singer for Taking Back Sunday. Right, that's exactly who I was talking about. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about the person who actually headlined the Peterson oh. Event Center in Oakland on Tuesday night, Dashboard Confessional. That was a good show. It was. You're talking I, Chris Caraba. Chris Caraba, who we featured on the podcast last week, a fantastic interview. Um, yeah, he... 
I will never get tired of hearing him play. Like, I will just lock that in right now. I've only seen him twice back-to-back years, but if he he teased, like, maybe coming back in the fall, I will be there again and again, and it will never get old. Yeah, and, you know, that, that whole emo thing, and the crowd wasn't a big crowd by any stretch. It, it may be, like, a quarter full at the Peterson Event Center, but they were in full voice. They were singing along with the songs, and... Uh, it was fun watching Chris uh, get on the tippy toes of those little uh, so, loafers he was wearing. He's so little. And hit hit he, some of the high notes. And uh, Yeah, he had these like little loafers on and these jeans that every single woman in there was <laughs> envious of. They were like the perfect pair that I personally have been in search of for about three years. So... Yeah, it was just a really good, I mean, it was very sad to me to see how many people weren't there. Mm. And maybe it's because last year he was at Stage AE Outdoors. And I think that show was close to sold out if it didn't actually sell out. I'm thinking Third Eye Blind might have had a little bit to do with that last year. Mm. And the lineup leading up to Dashboard was, nah, all right, but not the greatest, not the strongest. Yeah, the main support was Taking Back Sunday. And my take on them was uh, I really pay attention to the music, and, and it was okay. It was catchy. Uh, there's just not any uh, stage presence, though. There's nothing you're riveted on. No, uh, you know, cool moves or, or looks or, or anything. It's just uh, it's something you could, you could hear on, on a CD or on an MP3 that sounds as what you were watching in person. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just because I wasn't that familiar with their music, so I didn't know the lyrics to sing along, but I really couldn't hear them all that well to like say, oh, that's a really clever lyric. And like with Dashboard, yeah. I of course knew all of the songs that he sang, so that might have you know played into it a little bit, but you could actually hear, even like on the video playback, you could hear every word of what he was saying, and there's some really clever Clever lyrics that he has. So. Poetic. Uh, did a couple of new songs I thought were good, actually. Yeah, I liked the Heartbeat Here yeah, song. That yeah. one was good. Um, he's still, like, it's a little different from the other stuff, but still, like, it's still Dashboard, so that was cool to cool to hear. Are you okay with the encore? I was. He he did, what, two songs in the encore? Yes. Yeah, yeah and of course he did the, you know, extended fan sing-along of Hands Down, which <laughs> he... I don't think he would have been able to get out of there had he not done it. But it's just really cool to see all these people because, I mean, they were relevant what, like... Early 2000s? Yeah, like 15 years. I think uh, a Mark Emission, a Brand of Scar came out in like 2003 or four. That's when he, the record Hands Down is on. So, I mean, it's been a while. Um, so a lot of the fan base is like 30 and like, thir- you know, 30s and up. So it's not like teenagers and stuff. So... Just to see all these, like, adults who, like, you know, rush there from their day job and stuff to, like, <laughs> sing along to these, like, emo, heartbreaking <laughs> lyrics. I mean, it was something cool to see. I think Pittsburgh audiences would remember Screaming Infidelities the most, like, like 105.9 The X used to play that a lot. And that's just a, a song that I, I didn't recognize when it started. And it, it just builds and grows and, and sh- takes different shapes and directions. And, and you get to the chorus, it's like, oh, it's Screaming Infidelities. I knew that one. And I start singing along. At least I knew the chorus. But, uh, yeah, there are a couple like that that I've listened to them for so long and for so many years that I know I know the song, but then it's like, oh, which one is this? I know it. And as I'm singing along to the words, I still don't know what the title is. But Yeah, so uh, we're big fans of him. We thank him for the interview he did with us uh, yes. a week ago. And uh, yeah, another band you get a chance to see. You, you can't miss Dashboard Confessional. It's such a good crowd, too. Like, all of it is just a really good, like, I sat the entire time. Like, it wasn't a, you know... I mean, there were a couple of... I don't understand the crowd surfing in the mosh pit, like, in the shoving, because it's like, guys, we're 30. Like, why are we shoving each other? But And those aren't exactly the songs that you would do a circle pit to. But I I understand it at a Dropkick Murphy show. I don't understand it at a a Taking Back Sunday show. Not during the places I've come to fear the most. Like, I don't think that's really the most appropriate crowd surfing song. But, you know, whatever, teach their own. And then... um, 
we have a show that caught a couple weeks ago at the CLO uh, Cabaret playing this summer, The 39 Steps. Yeah, and you kind of got me into that because I, I know you've covered a lot of uh, the Pittsburgh CLO Cabaret and I thought, i got to go see one of these. And I did. The 39 Steps, you, you may have seen billboards for it or on buses on, on Route 65, but it's a, a play based on a Hitchcock movie, uh, 1930s, early 40s Hitchcock movie. And I did just madcap zany. Uh, there, there are four cast members. One guy just plays one character who's caught in this international intrigue kind of thing, but the other three people played dozens and dozens of roles. It's just, the costume changes, the set changes come at you so fast, it's almost as, as entertaining as the show itself, just how, the, how they quickly move through a, how one minute, this, one second this guy is a policeman, the next second he's playing a, a female shop owner or whatever. And he's literally like twirling and like getting well, into one character hats. into yeah. the other. And it, it was, I mean, it's a cool, I um, did an interview with Alan Snyder who played the one character, Richard Haney? Yes, I believe, yeah. And um, he, like, had a lot of good things to say, and he had actually had said that it's almost like, you know, they have to rehearse offstage as much as on stage, like, getting all of the blocking and all of the sets and stuff into place, because they're the, you know, people moving the stuff, too. Very so. physical comedy, almost at times Monty Python-like, and uh, it's based, like we saw in the Hitchcock movie, and there's, there's kind of winks and nods to other Hitchcock movies there. They, they, you know, have a cute way to reference North by Northwest and, and uh, Psycho and some of the other movies, uh, Rear Window. So uh, if you're a Hitchcock fan, uh, you'll get a couple of the, the extra jokes. But, uh, yeah, it's worth seeing it. And that's our all summer, right? Yeah, it's um, through, I believe, sometimes they get extended, but I think it's through August uh, 14th. And all of that information is also up on our website at timesonline.com. Yeah, see some live theater and, and with some humor. Uh, yeah, the 39 Steps, recommend and are we ready for this week's Love It or Loathe It? I think we are. All right. I'm going to let you go first. Um, I'm sure listeners are probably sick of hearing me say this by now, but good news. Nashville was picked up for a new season at CMT, on CMT, so that is my love. It was announced Friday. That we is... can all breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> but are they bringing everyone back? Well, see, that's the thing. I'm still not 100% sure because the press release danced around that a little bit, at least the one that I had seen on Friday. And we should mention, we're talking about the ABC show, Nashville. Yeah, the ABC the, Nashville starring the, the Queen, pleasure. Connie Britton, and Hayden Panettiere. Um, a nighttime soap opera based on country music, basically. Yeah, filmed and set in Nashville. And, yeah, I mean, they we had previously announced on here that they it was canceled, and then, you know, there was some, you know, rumors and reports that it might come back, and I believe you were the one who said CMT should pick it up, so... I did, yes. Yes. Right. Maybe, you know... Somebody's listening. Yeah, complain. Besides our parents. Yeah, right, other than our parents, but, you know, so I guess we'll stay tuned to see how it goes into place, but they picked up another season, and uh, they'll be on, the full episodes will be on Hulu the next day, because I guess there's some kind of agreement between CMT hmm. and Hulu. I'm wondering how they'll play into the writing, too, because this is a show that's about the country music industry, and CMT covers the industry, but it's also very tied into it, entrenched in it. And are they going to be able to do some storylines that kind of take some jabs at some of the things the industry is not doing right? Or are they going to have to pull some punches? That's a really good point. I'm not sure what the answer to that would be. I guess we'll have to or stay maybe tuned. They'll, maybe they'll have more inside information. It could go either way. So. Yeah, they might have more freedom, mm -hmm. too, than like an ABC, like a network, you know, would as far as advertisers and stuff. Because I, I don't watch a lot on CMT. I do watch the Making the Team, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders auditions. You don't watch Redneck Island? Or no, no. Uh, but I mean, I think they can, might be able to like push the envelope a little yeah. more. So hopefully the main cast, you know, comes back. Because I can't imagine 
Nashville without Rena James. Yeah. I just I can't. And especially, I mean, they kind of teased if uh, Juliet would even be coming back because her storyline ended with her plane, you know, being <laughs> lost or something. So I guess we'll stay tuned for that. But I am loving it. I am excited that it's coming back. I was not ready for it to go yet. So and maybe being on CMT, they'll bring more music back. I know we were critical in recent episodes. They weren't showing as much music. And that's, that's a big part of the show, to hear these great songs written by people like Buddy Miller and T-Bone Burnett. And we were missing the music. Maybe on CMT they'll have more access. Have it back. And the writers that we had talked about a few weeks ago, who, of course, are in charge of one of the best shows ever on television, <laughs> My So-Called Life, they have signed on uh, for right. this. So I, 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 think the, I don't think the writing is going to be in jeopardy. So I feel better. No yeah, more. so that is, that is my love. I was very excited to finally see that, you know, announced and it's official so my load uh, it's fresh in my mind because uh there's there's a pittsburgh music blog called music saurus it's run by lance jones he used to be the general manager at star lake really, really fun music blog and he gets into all kinds of things about the pittsburgh music scene and national concerts but he reached out to a, a bunch of people myself included and asked them all right let's have fun this, this month what's the song you dislike the most what's the one song when it comes on the radio you can't reach over and turn it off quickly enough and it was fun reading what everyone said Here's my load. My the song I picked as the song I like the least is Brian Adams' "Summer of '69." And I'm gonna loathe your response. <laughs> and my point was whether whether Brian's waxing nostalgically about a year he can't possibly remember or, or referencing bedroom escapades with a lyrical clunkiness that would make Kiss wins. It's just woefully written. It's just a woeful, bad, silly, dumb. Not even silly. Cause silly is cool. Dumb song. <laughs> uh, the, the, the keyboards are cheesy, but the bad kind of cheesy. Some some '80s cheesy is fun, and so it just annoys me. And it's become a country music cover song it has. staple. And so I chose. But anyway, get on this website. So I'm, I'm loving that song. But it's uh, MusicSaurus.com, uh, uh, run by Lance Jones, and he asked a bunch of other people, like like Brian Drusky, concert promoter, went with a train song. It was a train song. Which one? A wedding song. Marry Me? Yeah. He said he's tired of that. And, oh. Uh, so some people went off on uh, everything from Fish to, uh, to Tom Jones. It, it's kind of fun to see what, what riles people up. And, uh, so you picked Brian Adams, Brian Dresky picked Train, and nobody picked Justin Bieber. That's a good point. Would, <laughs> I want to recount. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm starting to come around on the beebs a little bit, a little bit. I don't know. I don't really know where to go from that. So um, I guess that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. Um, you can follow us online um, for the latest in breaking entertainment news at timesonline.com slash entertainment. And you can listen or watch this podcast and some of our other ones, including a Pirates and a Steelers. And a Penguins one. And a Penguins one, although I'm thinking that one might be coming to an end no. <laughs> in a couple of days. But um, all of that can be found at timesonline.com slash podcast or you can also listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Thanks for joining us.